Thank you, Catherine, and welcome everyone to our final session of the event. My name is Melissa Harris, and I'm a senior researcher at GovCIO Media Research. I'll be moderating our closing panel, which is our CIO roundtable, with our wonderful guests here today. Joining us today are the National Institutes of Arthritis and Musculoskeletal and Skin Diseases CIO, Latanya Burden, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases CIO, Mike Tartkovsky, and ServiceNow Federal CTO and Principal Digital Strategist, Jonathan Album. Thank you all for joining us for the panel. Um, so I wanted to circle back to the top of the program real fast. We heard from Dr. Susan Gregeric about the greater data strategy that NIH is implementing to enhance its mission. So would you each like to go into how your strategy strategizing your own data infrastructure in modernization from your institute CIO level amid these broader efforts and what technologies or uh, infrastructural approaches um, such as, you know, cloud or different automated capabilities are helping you. Um, Latanya, do you want to get us started? Sure, good morning. Uh, at NIAMS, as you heard from Susan, we are a large entity and 27 institutes and centers. And uh, you can imagine with all of that, everybody uh, does not do it the same way necessarily. But for us at NIAMS, I uh, create a five-year infrastructure modernization strategy. And that, that strategy lines up with my, um, my life cycle of our on-premises hardware. We revise it yearly uh, based on any new key technology mandates or lessons learned from any of our projects. Along with that, we uh, collaboration with our intramural scientists. There's a lot of constant communication and collaboration on their specific uh, scientific data storage needs. Uh, NIAMS has set up a partnership with uh, Strides team to accelerate use of our cloud services. And in that, we this year are have, have done our first, I'll say, real Stride initiative with backing up. Um, so we're replicating to AWS to support our DR requirements. In terms of looking at, uh, you know, cloud things, we are, we're partnering with AWS and Azure to identify FedRAMP moderate compliance solutions and services. And we're currently looking at doing our VMware DR solution, um, moving that potentially to Azure uh, site recovery to, to see how we can do things better. In terms of the things that Susan spoke about um, and the ODSS office, Again, that's a relatively uh, new office and has been extremely beneficial to us as we move forward. They offer educational sessions and funding opportunities that we have um, found helpful as we learn to move forward. So that entity is really extremely um, uh, helpful for us as we learn to, to move forward in our next, next chart, charter area we go to. Thank you. Mike, would you like to add to that? Yeah, uh, Latanya addressed quite a few important things here related to the infrastructure and transition to the cloud. So I will talk a little bit more uh, about uh, uh, data science strategy and enabling data science. One of the trends that uh, I noticed that uh, everybody wants to build additional repository to build you know, the data science solution based on that. In NIZ, we opted to somewhat different solutions. We do not want to build a new repositories. 
rather than that, in order to comply with the FAIR principles that was uh, defined by Susan's office, findable, accessible, interoperable, and reproducible. That's what we concentrate. So think about uh, the, uh, the best analogy I can come up with is like kayak.com. Kayak.com doesn't sell tickets, but it's an integration engine that goes around findable websites of the airlines or other, you know, the added hotels and other uh, consumer uh, uh, areas there. So we're trying to use the similar approach uh, towards data science. There are a lot of different repositories uh, which have the data that have uh, been funded by the NIH in general, NID in particular, trying to discover this data. And once the data is discovered, trying to come up with a um, common environment for the researchers to be able to manipulate that data in the cloud. That includes storage resources, that includes the provisioning of the high-performance uh, compute, and so on. So that's the strategy that we implementing for the data science, for enabling of data science. Uh, to add uh, to the additional pressure uh, here, we are now watching, you know, the another phase of explosion, if you want, in the scientific data. So while a few years ago we all were watching, you know, what the genomic sequencing was, uh, impact, how it was impacting uh, the our approaches to uh, data storage, uh, data analysis, we seeing the even bigger trend right now for the electronic microscopy. Okay, that's a new phase of science that putting a lot of pressure on our infrastructure and in our data storage. Thank you for that. And um, Jonathan, even though you're not part of the NIH, I'm sure you have some great insights. So would you like to answer the question? Sure. You know, before, be, thank you. Um, before I joined ServiceNow, I worked as a CIO in the federal government for many years. So while, while I wasn't in a... Uh, in an agency just like NIH, I was at the Department of Agriculture. There's a lot of scientific activity at the at the USDA, and a lot of similar kinds of requirements for managing and understanding the data. But you know, my role now is I work with um, federal agency CIOs uh, uh, across the government. I think there's a lot of very consistent themes that I that I heard in the, our opening remarks. You know that that dovetail very nicely with with what my experience of service now has been. Um, trying to find the data and understand what you have so you can manage it uh, the right way. And in the case of science, scientific organizations, it might be creating, you know, placing it somewhere where it's easily accessible and people can interact with it. At other times, it might be understanding what data you have so you can secure it properly and make sure that uh, it's protected. It, 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 it you know, it, it, it's really based on the mission, but understanding what and where your data is, is, a I think, a fundamental requirement for uh, for CIOs, that plus understanding how that data is ultimately used and how it flows through the organization to either to drive an outcome or to be made available for, for research. It requires some thoughtfulness about what um, what the data is, where it is, how it used, how it flows. You have to take some time to understand all of that if you want to be able to do the bigger things that we all want to do with our data. Excellent. Um, so now that we've talked about, um, you know, these sort of 
greater goals and initiatives. Uh, I want to talk about how, um, you know, your mission is being integrated with the IT modernization and data strategy that you have going on. So, um, you know, how are, you know, from the NIH perspective, how are researchers across your institute leveraging the technologies and um, strategy plans that you're introducing uh, to enhance their biomedical science? And maybe Jonathan, with your experience working with different CIOs across this space, can you provide your own examples? Sure. Um, yeah, if you'd like to get started. So I, I'm happy to kick it off. I see, you know, routinely, agencies um, attempting to to modernize and digitize services that they that they offer and again as i said before understanding how the data flows through the organization how the you know and that's a representation of what the work of that agency is understanding those workflows you know become very important because you know oftentimes and i think we saw this off uh, a lot during covid you know we had processes that had just you know evolved over time and they depended in in some cases on people being in an office and being able to interact. And we had to adjust very quickly. And all the agencies that I that I work with were able to do that. So we made adjustments to these processes so we can still continue to uh, do our mission, whether we're sharing data or doing research or, or fighting forest fires like at the at the USDA. But what we had what we have to do now is I think return to those processes that we adjusted and ask ourselves, are these the right processes, the right workflows, the right data flows uh, for a digital government and for digital services and for digital transformation. And making sure that uh, we take the time to rethink and redesign those processes gives us a chance to modernize in a way forward that supports what work looks like and what the, what the um, hybrid environments are going to be and how we're going to work in this, in this new environment that we're all emerging into. Great. I'm going to work in reverse order here. So if Mike, you want to answer the question, that'd be great. Or, you know, if Latanya, you want to jump in. Whoever there wants. were multiple questions, you know, and there are very loaded questions. here. So let's address the integration. Okay. The, the, the first one. So, um, you know, um, I see all this uh, being treated, you know, and looked at as enabler and supporter of the main mission uh, of the organization. What I am seeing these days uh, and trying to position my organization, that IT also become an instrument in advancing the scientific, the, well, in our case, scientific mission of the organization, uh, in case of the other industries advancing uh, what uh, their, their mission uh, is. For many, many years, I always was, uh, you know, in any uh, presentation that uh, I was giving in any uh, talk, uh, that there are no non-computational disciplines uh, left in science. Everything is computation. So, and leveraging uh, that ability is, well, relatively easy now these days, okay, what technology provides. I can give you one example, you know, of what we are doing recently with one of the systems that uh, we uh, enable, we build uh, and operating for uh, our institutes, genomic research information systems, which uh, allows the precision medicine for our patients in the clinical center. Okay, we sequence, uh, do the full genomic sequence of every patient who is admitted to the uh, clinical center, provide genetic counselor, 
everything is enabled and managed by our uh, system that we build. Our bioinformaticians working together with the genetic counselors are uh, providing, you know, advice to and uh, explaining uh, the outcomes of the uh, analysis of the sequences uh, of uh, those patients, which uh, creates a new um, the way for design new treatments, basically, better treat those patients and the way to design the uh, new treatments. We're creating uh, new analytical tools that allow to join the clinical uh, informatics uh, data uh, for, uh, from our patients, again, from the clinical center, and so on. So I think there is a big synergies now, more than ever. You can see synergies between the science and technology, and that's very encouraging. Yeah, I'll definitely get to that soon in a following question, but I want to give Latanya the chance to answer as well. Sure. Uh, taking off of what Mike says, a lot of a lot of what we're doing. So at NIH, we have two parts. So, so when I'm the CIO, I'm the CIO of our actual researchers that are doing doing um, clinical research and things like that right at the NIH. And then I have another group which which is responsible for um, doing grants and giving out grant money to the rest of the, the world, the, the U.S. So those those two um, entities have very different. Uh, needs and part of that is really coming to understand them. Um, we, you know, it really uh, behooves us to do a lot of communication with each side to really understand what their needs are. One of the things we started uh, did an undertaking of again of a modernization. We up, just finished our, a three-year legacy um, of our applications, and what we found in that is that uh, roughly about 40% of the old applications were the functions were still being used because things had changed so drastically. So really, you know, giving them what they need, sitting down with them, talking to them, really dialoguing with them, feeling like, again, we were a partner. What we do at, at NIAMS, my, my scientific director is really big on not calling, my, me not calling him a customer. He really gets upset with me on that. I am a partner. And in order to be a partner, you really have to understand your business and really, again, do a lot of talking so that we're helping them. So a, a, an example, Simple example, we had many instances of um, a personal uh, GitHub uh, applications, right? And so NIH has, has just uh, put out a enterprise GitHub application for all of NIH. And so that's a small thing of being able to, to leverage what NIH is doing, helping our, our scientists take advantage of those things and making it a little bit easier for them to do shareable data across, across platforms. We also, again, as Mike talked about, high-performance computing. Again, high-performance computing is very uh, big at NIH, and allowing the, the scientists to be able to use the tools, BioWiff, uh, Helix, those applications to be able to do what they need to do. But at the end of that, they need to pull that data back to us, and we have to be able to store it and allow them to use the tools that they need to, that they need to do to do their analysis. So it's a really kind of, um, when you talk about the the interaction between IT and uh, and and mission, it's it's constantly doing a lot of talking and and um, making sure we're we're meeting their needs. Uh, um, Melissa, if I could just jump in for one second, what I really appreciate so much about those two responses is, you know, IT is there not for the sake of IT. IT is there because 
it's driving the mission. Um, Latanya and Mike both describe these use cases that are relying on the technologies they provide. And, you know, as a, as a former CIO, as someone who's, you know, seen a lot of um, technology be purchased, a lot of technology be used, it's, it's not always, um, it's not always very explicitly stated how it's going to drive the mission. And I think they both did that. So I, I really um, give them some credit for thinking about the mission first. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, lots of the modernization you're doing, even though you're trying to be like a partner rather than a customer owner relationship, um, you know, sometimes it's hard for lots of stakeholders to see that you're trying to develop for them and with them rather than, um, you know, just being an inconvenience. So um, have you faced any challenges with change management and just generally trying to encourage a culture that embraces these new capabilities that you're bringing in? Um, are there any challenges you face and how are you handling it? Uh, like, oh, Jonathan, you want to start? Well, I would just say, you know, change management is something that people often overlook. And uh, there's a, always a, um, a rush to get things done, which I think we all understand and, you know, have felt in our different, our different roles. But sometimes, you know, if you go too fast, you can create some blind spots in your, um, in your approach and it can really impact your success. So change management is one of those things that can sometimes be overlooked. Uh, I would just love to hear uh, Latanya and Mike's experiences, but mine was you have to plan for it and be explicit about the need for it. If you want the technology you're rolling out to be adopted and successfully and for the people who, who you support to really see that value, because if they don't see value in the work that you're, um, that you're doing, um, if you can't tell, uh, explain why uh, it's you know better, and if they don't see why it's better, and help drive the mission, it's very hard to get funding and support to do that. Whatever that next project is. No, you, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. It's about the value, you know, of the business seeing why this change is being made. Okay, and continue to the topic, you know, to the previous topic. It's about the partnership, right? It's about the partnership between the IT organization and business. The old phrase is that there is no such thing as an IT project. They're only business projects, right? We do not exist to do projects for ourselves. Our job is to help business to do their job more better, faster, more efficient, right? That's what uh, we, we, we're supposed to do. So partnering with the business because it goes much easier and much faster when you have a stakeholders fully vested into that particular change. So that way your change management process going much faster, much smoother. That's my experience with this. Definitely agree with that. And, and in an attempt to really help with that change management, I, I meet with the, my scientific director and clinical director every other month. And that's really, again, to make sure that we are on the same page. They're allowed to give me some insights into where they're going. And I give them an idea of, of you know, what IT is coming down the pike. And, of course, we, we, we always talk about money at some point in the conversation. But the, the other part that's really kind of helpful when we talk about dri driving change management, if I'm putting out something to, to the organization, um, my scientific director is generally my first tester. So he'll take, he'll take it, he'll learn it, he'll do whatever, and then really it makes it very hard for my scientists to say, oh, no, we can't do that. 
when your scientific director takes the lead. Uh, but also I'd like to say in terms of our change management, you know, again, IT driving the research is really research driving IT. And a lot of times we find that our scientists are driving much, much faster than we can move. So new tools to do analysis with, upgrading instruments that create, you know, 10 times the, the, the data of the last version. So when we talk about change management, again, it's, it's across the board that we have to sit down and kind of really have a lot of conversations about that. When you asked about the, the uh, biggest challenges, so for us, our biggest two, two biggest challenges, I'd say, are out-of-control data growth <laughs> and, a, and a culture that wants to save everything. <laughs> and then certainly, again, our IT staff being able to keep up with the pace of technology at, at their pace that they want us to be at. That's a great point. Um, and, you know, going back to that whole aspect of how, you know, you know, you could say IT is driving research, but research is driving the IT. Um, how are you generally acquiring and managing these IT portfolios to meet those needs and the drive that science is, you know, pushing toward your um, IT organizations? Um, I know, Latanya, you mentioned strides before, but how are you topic, um, also uh, tapping some of these common resources that NIH is providing um, to sort of, uh, you know, meet those needs as well? Again, the beauty of the beauty of NIH is is in our sharing of stuff. So we are a big complex of you know the CIOs are, are intimately involved with each other. We talk a lot. Um, so Strides again is new for us. Again, I'm I'm a small to medium institute. So Strides is a great opportunity for us to learn how to go to the cloud without um, without having all the pains of that. So we definitely have tapped into ODSSs, the things that they have provided. They, uh, just to give you a few um, examples of some of the things that, that we have taken advantage of, they do something called, for summer interns through a program called the Civil Digital Program. We've had two, uh, two years of uh, um, outstanding um, uh, college graduates or college students and helping us move further in our data management quest. Um, there's a data scholar initiative that uh, Susan talked about earlier that uh, Susanna, Dr. Susanna Stein has, has tapped into. And then they had this year another thing of they offered funding um, to, for the use of, of STRIDES initiative on high value data sets. So again, it's a, it's a complex thing. You, you do what you can do within your budget. You look at without what's out there at the NIH. Um, the other part is that, again, when I talk about um, the, the institutes. Again, Mike and I talk. Um, I learn from him. The other big institutes, there are a wealth of knowledge of sharing. We spent a lot of time with the Cancer Institute as we started to really develop our data management uh, initiative. Um, Heart, Lung, and Blood, again, a large institute. They, as they started to do their modernization of, of uh, hardware, they, they started doing something called Flex on Demand. We've spent a lot of time with them. They, they're about six to seven, eight months ahead of us on, on our next purchase, but we're, we're tapping into them in terms of uh, changing our, our, I guess, a funding stream, really, from a, from a OPEX to a, a CAPEX to an OPEX um, and using that technology. But again, we're, we're tapping into them and learning from them. Fantastic. So Latani addressed that question at length. I will be brief on this. Uh, so uh, what we're trying to implement uh, with, uh, you know, some successes, uh, not necessarily all the successes, is to have some kind of common operating environment. 
Strike is one of the examples of the common operating environment for the NIH that NIH is buying into. Uh, there are a few others, like uh, we recently started, uh, or actually expanded the initiative that started at NIID many years ago, electronic content management. It's now expanded to the entire NIH. So we're trying to achieve efficiencies, at least on the technology level, uh, to provide uh, support for both scientists and administrators of science, because keep in mind that over 80% of the NIH are grants and contracts to the outside organizations. It's an important uh, part of our business. So uh, that's, that's where we stand. We, in the very delicate phase, I would say, where the demand for the technology exceeds our budget and our ability to provide uh, those services. So uh, governance is important, uh, very important for us, as well as trying to standardize where possible, as Latani was saying you know, before, our technology stack to achieve efficiencies there. So building on what Mike said, um, I, I hear very similar kinds of uh, challenges at agencies I work with across government. And you know one of the one of the ways they solve for these common environments uh, are finding some platforms that they can standardize on. And you know I don't think that a, a large complicated organization like an NIH or, or NIAID or you know these institutes, there's necessarily one platform. I think there's a few. That was my experience at, at USDA. But, you know, once there's a few platforms, it becomes very important to uh, make good choices about which platform you use for the requirements that you have. So really understanding what a platform is good at, what its nat where a natural fit is, and having the governance that Mike was describing help direct uh, requirements into the right platform, it, that's, a, that's a way to reduce your technical debt, lower costs over time, and create more standardization, which is what I, I think I hear him I hear him saying. But the idea that, you know, and there are platforms at NIH, there's platforms at every agency, um, but sometimes they're purchased non-strategically. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much an advocate for really thinking through um, uh, having, you know, a, a platform strategy. I like to say, you, you know, platform as a strategy and um, having a very clear understanding about why we're using ServiceNow, why we're using Microsoft, so on and so forth. So we we have less complexity in the environment overall. And when you can share data across institutes or you can share um, across research institutions, you get a lot of value for that um, that investment. And those investments can be really you know managed uh, pretty tightly when agencies are buying um, comprehensively, when they buy with an enterprise view of mind, instead of 27 entities all purchasing the same tool individually. We have to think enterprise, even if the requirements are a little bit different. That requires a governance and everything that Mike was describing, but the platforms are absolutely a way to achieve some of these uh, long-term cost reduction and uh, compatibility uh, issues that exist everywhere, but especially in, in an environment like Mike's talking about. Yeah, great points. Um, I want to zone out a little bit, or zoom out, I guess, is what I'm the term I'm trying to find. Um, so there have been a lot of administrative directives around security and equity and customer experience um, just in the past year even. So how do you see these um, directives coming from uh, up down impacting your approach to work? 
Um, this could be, you know, within, uh, you know, representation across health research or, you know, how you're creating a user-friendly environment for clinical trials. How do you see these things um, sort of uh, manifesting in the, the way you approach work? Um, I know, Mike, you work a lot with clinical trials. So do you want to start? We, we do work a lot with clinical trials, okay? And, uh, well, what uh, your question uh, probably is, uh, if you're asking how we create more user-friendly environment for the, our participants in the clinical trials, uh, there are some trials that we're running where we have what's called uh, patients-reported outcomes, okay? So for those on, yes, it's... Uh, absolutely critical to have not only the good interfaces, but the secure interfaces that providing, uh, you know, uh, reliable way, you know, for the participants and uh, protect participants uh, who from, from these clinical trials and protect their data from uh, accidental uh, data release. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Um, we're trying to utilize uh, platforms uh, for this. We have a stand, standardized architecture for uh, all of this. But uh, I, I will stop here, and I'm not going to go into greater details, you know, on how we ensuring security here, uh, because that's quite a complicated field. No worries. Um, I, I think that the, these directives you mentioned, the cybersecurity executive order, the customer experience executive order, um, the diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility order, I think these are being taken very seriously across government. Um, having been in government, you get a lot of EOs, you get a lot of requirements, and always it comes down to prioritization and how these things impact the organization because you can't do everything. The budgets are always very limited. So I think it's so important that, you know, from IT and uh, has a seat at the table and can talk about prioritization and resources. And if you can do that, you can make a lot of progress across all of these very important topics. All right. Uh, Latanya, did you want to add something real fast or are you, you set? Okay, you're set. Um, I know we're almost out of time, but before we end, lightning round. Um, from the CIO perspective, what are one or two lessons learned or best practices that you think other health IT leadership would find really helpful or insightful? So one of the things, you know, the biggest lessons learned, you know, in the last couple of years, if you want, uh, we need to establish a solid digital foundation for all of our initiatives. That's probably the biggest lessons learned. We learned that uh, once we moved uh, people to the maximum telework, okay, we have to make sure that our business process were automated, that people have access uh, to this and uh, to, uh, to the tools to do their jobs, uh, even remotely. So uh, I think that's the biggest lesson, okay? Solid digital foundation need to be built uh, so we can expand as needed. The other one that I would be, that I would like also to mention, we're talking a lot about the uh, data analytics, especially data analytics in the clinical uh, world, okay? And there was a couple talks before, a couple panel before us talking about all of this. Um, we need to make sure that, that before we even talking about the analytics, we 
do the proper data collection at the point of care, okay? Because transforming that data and preparing for the data analysis one of, is one of the biggest challenges that we had during this pandemic, okay? Data is being collected to the different standards, so standardization of the uh, data collection at the point of care is absolutely critical for us. Okay. And I would have to say for, for me, the stakeholder involvement is critical to the success of any endeavor. Uh, while technology rollouts and adoption is moving faster and faster than ever, um, stakeholders and IT teams are not always ready to move at the same time. So really, again, that, that, that dialogues about what's coming down the pipe on each side so that we can help each other move to that. And then certainly, again, is uh, this whole thing of data management, big data, Again, we, we're learning so much about it. And really, again, that governance, that planning time, that, that thinking time of what is it gonna take for us to be successful as an organization to, to um, empower our mission. And, and those lessons learned align very, um, uh, you know, very well with what I learned in my CIO career. You know, you have to understand the data, how it flows through the environment. What, what's the work of the environment? How does it flow? And then again, like I, I think I stated earlier, take the time to rethink and the redesign the processes that we have to the extent that we need to do so to be a really digital organization. To have that strong digital foundation that Mike was describing, I think you have to do both things. And then from a stakeholder involvement perspective, Latanya was suggesting, if you can't tell um, a, a story about value that the technology is providing to your stakeholders, to the mission, uh, you know, research drives the, uh, the mission, research drives the technology. If you can't explain how you're playing a very important part in mission delivery as a CIO, it's hard, again, it's very hard to um, be successful. It's very hard to have the trust and respect of your, of your peers, especially in a scientific or healthcare community. And so it's so important to know what your baselines are, what your improvements are, and be able to get out there and, and uh, very uh, proudly tell that story just like Mike and Latanya have been able to do today. Fantastic. Um, so I know we're a little bit over, but I just wanted to take a second here to thank um, all three of you for sharing a, a great amount of knowledge and a little bit about your work. So um, now as we close out, I'd like to pass the program back to Amy to um, give some closing remarks. <laughs>